Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast Daily Edition. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. Mike's on assignment, but we've got a special treat for you today. We have our weekly summaries, and we really want to also get you some feedback. Today on the Energy News Beat website, energynewsbeat.com, there's an article out there, and we want your opinion. Women are more skeptical of electric cars than men and won't accept less than a 350-mile range. Well, you know what? I thought that that was pretty interesting, and my wife and I are having a discussion. But we want to hear from you. Any of the forms on Energy News Beat, let us know. Let Michael know. Let me know through LinkedIn. We want to hear from you. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the show, and we will see you Monday morning. Have a great day. The EPA proposed first controls on greenhouse gases from power plants. Michael, A, I'm not against good regulations. I'm against bad politicized regulations. First line out of this article is if the regulation is implemented, it will be the first time the federal government has limited carbon emissions from existing power plants, which generate 25% of the U.S. greenhouse gases. All right. And everything else, almost all coal and gas power plants could have to cut or capture nearly all of their carbon dioxide emissions by 2040, according to the uh, people familiar with the regulation. Michael, this is actually disastrous from a standpoint of cost. Um, If we put the plan in to go to natural gas, and if we had the permitting capability of building new refineries or new plants with it built in, with the technology built in, we would save money. We would save all this and we wouldn't have to go retrofit. The consumers are going to pay for this regulation. I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm not going to necessarily fully agree with you. I agree with you that implementing bad regulation <laughs> is worse than doing nothing. Or imp- I- I'm with you on. I'll agree with you there. I'm not convinced this is a overall bad reg- regulation. I have. I need to read some of the finer details. But what they say right. in this article is power plants would have to cut or capture nearly all of their carbon dioxide emissions by 2040. I think that's a unique distinction. When it doesn't just say cut carbon emissions, it says capture right. them. What is your favorite company doing that Warren Buffett's involved? What are they doing? What are, what's Oxy doing? They're in that trillion dollar market, but um, you got me again. Dang it. I, well, not, I, and, and what I'm saying is 2040 is also, in my opinion, a long enough time frame where you can, at least there is some sliver of reality that you could theoretically by 2040, if you started now, probably cut a lot of the emissions that come out of power plants because it's not that, that we don't know how to do it. You, the one thing you pointed out, which is correct, is it costs money. It's not free to just buy scrubbers, which are the things that you put on smokestacks that try to scrub out all the dioxide. It's not free for Oxy nope. to then take all of that scrub dioxide and pump it in down hole. There will be a cost increase. So the real question is who takes right. it in the drive through I think the consumers will, unless the federal government, through the Inflation Reduction Act, also begins to step in and provide funding 
to increase the technology that's being thrown at this problem. Because remember, no good solutions. They're just trade-offs. Yes, it'd be great to cut emissions. It's going to cost more though. So the real question is, what's the optimum level of cost that we're going to take to achieve the balance? We we don't just want, I mean, this is what, again, not to get on a rant, but in the 1970s, you couldn't see two miles in LA. Now you can see 20 miles. There is a cost that we're willing to pay in order to have clean air. Everybody is. There's a cost right. Stu's willing to pay to make sure that, you know, whatever. I, it's hard to come up with an example on the spot, but you get what I'm saying. Everything has a cost to it in which you would say, I will pay that cost in order to achieve this outcome. Exactly. And uh, why should we pay the cost of uh, uh, making our energy just as high as it is in Europe or the EU when China is going to be publishing or or, uh, implementing uh, still it's one coal plant per week or whatever the number is. And, you know, nothing we do would matter. Yes. On a macro level, I'm with you. Why put why put these regulations on when our when our counterparts aren't? So yes, there's that. I'm talking about this specific rule. If you're going to cap something, if you're going to tell me in at some point in the future you're going to have to change your behavior, give me enough time to change to slowly change my behavior and slowly get accustomed. Don't just tell me tomorrow, boom, all of a sudden you can't drive anymore. Give me some time so I can learn right. to ride a horse, please. California's absurd energy policies are not what we should use for good examples for the rest of the United States. This is actually a fairly disgusting article from, I mean, in in talking about disgusting political processes, 20, 30, uh, even 40 pieces of blank legislation are introduced each bill with a number, each completely empty of language, except for a single line expressing the intent of the legislator to fill them in later with some related, something related in the budget. Mm. Holy smokes. That is how the amendments to their energy have been going on. So when you go in and you say the new state law is Assembly Bill 205, it was first introduced in January of 2021, completely blank except for one 18-word sentence. It says the intent of the legislator is to enact statutory changes related to the Budget Act of 2021. About seven weeks later, the Assembly passed the blank bill of a vote of 56 to 18 and sent it to the Senate where it sat for more than a year. These are the kinds of words and things that are going on that people are putting in that are causing high energy prices for California. We don't, I mean, this is just despicable. Uh, How do you... I would like this to is re- an, this is a, this is an example of what you t- mentioned in the previous article about bad legislation oh. causing huge negative externalities. It, this there's it, no argument here on this. No, oh, it's despicable. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the next article, which is almost related to it with Berkeley. Uh, I love Berkeley, even though they are a little bit uh, not in our listening pool. Uh, natural gas banned by Berkeley Bolsheviks uh, bites the dust. 
uh, Berkeley's latest generation of Bolsheviks enacted a natural gas ban that has been wisely overturned in a federal court. Biden and the blue staters must take notice. This article's got some stuff in here that's really pretty interesting. Uh, the One of the quotes in here, Berkeley can't bypass preemption by banning natural gas piping within buildings rather than banning natural gas products themselves. This ordinance... Uh, the panel, this ordinance, as well as the solution it seeks, is an overreaching measure beyond the scope of any city, uh, according to John uh, Condi, CEO and president of the uh, CRA. I have to go check uh, what the CRA uh, cities and statutes cannot ignore federal law in order to constrain consumer choices. It's pretty important. You know, local does not trump. Uh, federal and stupidity doesn't trump. Did I just hear that, Stu? That local local law, in your opinion, shouldn't trump federal law. I agree. Now let me add this caveat in the Constitution, big Stu. Big government, Stu. No, no. hang on. Let's, I know. Okay. Oh, you just warmed up. I just warmed up on this bad dog. Okay, let's take Texas for a matter of uh, matter of fact. It is the federal government's uh, responsibility to protect the border. Boom. Right. They are not doing it. So now Texas needs to protect the border, but they can't because it's against the Constitution. It is a state's right, though, in the Constitution of the uh, Texas to be able to uh, protect their border from an invasion. So which trumps in that case, which I, I, one? I'm with you. Stu. I was just, I was making an interesting observation in this case. And I agree I, with you. And, 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 and the, now, the problem is the letter of the law is federal Trump's state. The issue is the way the founders had intended the construction of the constitution to be was say right. the states have, it was federalism. Right. The states have most of the controls and there are only certain things that the feds are supposed to control. To bring it back to Berkeley, though, I hope they freeze. I hope they I ban hope they natural gas. I hope they freeze. I hope they need to start burning their shoes. Remember when we were starting to we, we had that donate that yeah. the shoe collection going for Germany. We were going to send them <laughs> over there to help keep them warm. Well, we, we just keep them here and ship them to Berkeley. Oh, absolutely, dude. All right. Great job. The Supreme Court rejects climate bids from oil and gas companies. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court today decided against allowing climate lawsuits filed against some of the biggest oil companies in the world to be moved out of the state and local courts and into the federal level here. So it's very specific what happened. So large oil and so, you know, mainly a conglomerate of big oil and gas companies, Exxon, Suncor and Chevron. What they are attempting to do is move climate lawsuits away from the state and local level, which are jury style, you know, jury style where it's a jury, your own peers, all that jazz to the federal level, which there's no jury. It's a panel of, you know, ex lawyers who are now judges, AKA you've got the Supreme court, the federal all that stuff. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to move all of that stuff out of the state and local level. Unfortunately, the Supreme court said, no, you know, um, we got Richard Wiles here. He's the president of the Center for Climate Integrity. So, uh, you know, probably a lot we agree on. Um, he said the high court's decision is a major victory for communities across the country that are fighting to hold big oil accountable and make them play for the climate damages they knowingly caused. Now it's time for these polluters to face the evidence of their deception in court. I don't agree at all with that statement. It in so facto to say that, you know, these are the type of people who 
who were opposing this. Now, we'll say this. This is where I'll I'll zig when people zag. I don't agree with anything Richard Wiles said in that statement. Now, unfortunately, I kind of agree with the decision here with the Supreme Court. I am in favor of anything that hands over more power to the states and the local level than the federal government. And Stu, if Stu, the reason why I'm saying this now is because Stu's not on the other side because, oh, his blood would be boiling right now. His blood would be boiling as I'm saying this. But this is an instance where, unfortunately, my belief of states and localities should control their destiny has to apply evenly everywhere, including oil and gas. I get that it'd be great to have federal lawsuits for climate change, if only because smart, you, you, you know, the lawyers can do lawyer things and can work and, you know, meld arguments. And all you have to do is pitch them to other trained lawyers and judges versus getting someone like me on the, on the jury where I'm just, I'm punching a clock, wondering when lunch is. And hopefully they, you know, didn't cut my TV access back at the hotel or I have to play a crossword for the 80th night in a row. Um, listening to, you know, climate scientists try to talk to me about, you know, greenhouse gas exposure. I mean, I, I, I'm only halfway kidding when I say that, that like there's a reason Exxon, Suncor and Chevron wanted to go to the federal level. It's an instance where, unfortunately, my belief on who should control their own destiny must be applied evenly. I have to applaud the decision by the Supreme Court. If only, unfortunately, this probably does mean we're going to see an uptick in climate lawsuits now that they know they have to be settled at the local level or the state level, which, again, you now get into jury trial. So. You know, again, I'd be very interested in what Stu's take is on this. We will try to ask his thoughts tomorrow. I know his blood would be boiling with that take. The nice part is we're going to get his thoughts tomorrow. Let him cool off a little bit. But a big decision out of the Supreme Court, guys. 19 countries express interest in joining BRICS group. Okay, BRICS. It is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are meeting in Cape Town on June 2nd and 3rd to discuss its, uh, discuss its enlargement. This is absolutely crazy on how many have another been asking in here. 13 countries have formally asked to join and another six have asked informally and we're getting applications to join every day. What this means to folks is if anybody's listening to us for a little while, BRICS is absolutely going to be a whole new monetary system where it is going away from SWIFT. It's going to be building and building trade in the one. It's going to replace the dollar, the dollar, the uh, the petrodollar. It's also going to displace the dollar as the global currency. And there's a lot of if, ands, or technical reasons on people saying it not going to happen. I can tell you technical reasons why it is going to happen. I love when Stu gets fired up about bricks. Um, I'm just waiting till I have to go buy... Uh, I have to shell out my Starbucks and Juan because Starbucks has shifted over to using Briggs's payment system. You laugh, but guess what they come they're coming out with in this meeting, Michael, which is not in this article. It's in like in three other articles. They are coming out with their own visa equivalent and they've now updated it. So you're going to be able to get a Briggs visa. I don't know if you're going to call it a Brick, you know, a Discover Breeza, a (laughs) Breeza. I don't know, but you're going to be able to have a competitor to Visa American Express and it's going to go through China. Interesting. Well, I think 
you know, as you know, Energy Newsbeat is a part of those 19 countries expressing right. interest in Brits. Our application is out there. So, yes, um, we will I, be offering our own credit card. Yes. It, yes. We're, we'll be tokenizing the website and, and, and being, be selling NFTs. So it'll be fun. Uh, oh, um, it'll yeah. be fun. Nice. All right. Uh, instead of merch, we'll have uh, digital coin. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No merch. You yeah, no, no, no merch. merch. All, all you get, all you get is a token. Tesla gives up a date on battery degradation. Only 12% after 200,000 miles. Michael, this is really uh, bringing up a resale uh, on the cars because it takes about $20,000 after a car needs a whole new battery uplift after this. So if you're only going to get 12% of your capacity at 200,000 miles, then you're going to have to drop in $20,000, $30,000 just to get the car. For twenty dollars or 30000 you can get a really nice car from an internal combustion engine. Yeah, I was confused. At first, I thought this report said that their batteries are only 12% useful after 200,000. What this is saying is that if it starts at 100% or whatever percent it starts at, it'll be somewhere around 87. I mean, that's not horrible. I think that's not not horrible, but the, the real question is, okay, what happens for trucks? What happens for larger vehicles? Like, yes, okay, cool. You built a little go kart. That's great. I would own a Tesla. I think they're sweet, actually. I would love a Tesla, but it'd have to be my second car because you know absolutely. how many miles. I mean, absolutely. Have, you know how many miles I drive. It would be absolutely pathetic. I think the thing is the range. I don't think it's necessarily the miles for where I think the issue where Tesla and all of these EV makers are going to have issues is how do you get range? How do you replace? Are you going to be able to replace I, the five, six, seven hundred mile trips that people like you who have you know larger vehicles mount up and go for? You know, one of the things I really, really like is the plug-in hybrids. Uh, I mean, throw me some uh, uh, you know gasoline engine in there and let me uh, keep on going down the road. I, I'm and, in. And, And that's where I'm a little sad that we didn't go the world of hybrids. I mean, hybrids could have achieved so much. I mean, I agree. It's it, it, the fact that it's all or one and that's there, there's, there's no, there's no, and you know, I'm not in the car business. I mean, maybe there's a reason the hybrids are harder to make. I don't know. All I'm saying is from a high level standpoint, if we could have moved policy into more of the let's promote hybrid technology versus what they're doing in California, the transport, you know, what is it? 65% of new cars by 20, it was like 2020 or 2032 have to be EVs. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, okay. um, Um, This one was pathetic, Michael. Let's see here. Uh, Twitter. This was at uh, uh, Granholm. Our beloved Granholm just was in testifying today in front of the Congress. And she says she thinks that by 2030, the U.S. military needs to be in electric vehicles. She said that today. Yeah, absolutely. There is no way that you could be in electric vehicles in the military. Excuse me. Well, I go charge up when a tank, you got tanks a lot, lady, you're going to kill our people. And yesterday she's approving the mount. She's requesting that the Mountain Valley pipeline be approved. You remember she you, we didn't cover this yesterday because you were on sabbatical, which is fine. But Secretary Granholm yesterday wrote a, a letter mm-hmm. urging the Federal um, Energy Regulatory Commission to approve the Mountain Valley pipeline. So she's 
it's this is a classic case of talking out of both sides of your mouth. One, approve the gas pipeline, which theoretically is going to cause more emissions in her world, right. but then also try to push EVs. Well, you know, I'd like to have my cake and eat it too, but I ended up, I just end up with love handles. Thanks for listening to the Energy News Beat Daily Edition podcast. If you are a industry thought leader, a CEO, another podcast host, I want to interview you. Please reach out, fill out the form and say, hey, we want to come on your podcast. Our podcast is getting incredible worldwide reach. And we just thank everyone that is listening and downloading to our shows. Thank you all so much and have a fantastic weekend. Look forward to talking to you soon.